0: This is Kevin Evans with the chapter-by-chapter life class at Crossroads Assembly of God at Greenville. And we are currently studying Luke chapter 7. And last week we went over the first um, two or three uh, stories and little parables in Luke 7. And we stopped at verse 35. Because the next story, according to my Bible, is titled Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. Yeah. And this passage is, uh, the more I dig into it, the more complicated this gets. And I, I, it, it done, it, it's hard for me to let go of it because it doesn't make sense. So, we're going to do a little detective exercise today. Uh, this week, before I start into this, let, let me explain what I mean by detective exercise. I uh, have been researching, uh, you, you know I'm into genealogy and I'm about to put this book together for Judy's you know, side of the family.
1: Maybe you should have been a geneticist or something. No, I'm just kidding. A genealogist works or for ge- me, yeah. But
0: uh Anyway, I'm, I'm researching one of her family lines who are named the Catons. And um, uh, I have her, I have this woman who is her great, great, great something grandmother who I only know as Amelia based upon census records. And that's probably not even her real name. That's a short for probably Camilla since she has numerous descendants who are named Carmilla and there are no more Amelia's, you know what I mean? So. Anyway, I don't even know her name for real. I don't know her maiden name and I don't know who her husband was because she came out of the wilderness as a widow and I never, you know, it's always Grandma Millie that everyone refers to, but we don't know who dad, grandpa was. So I'm after that and I traced her back to this county in North Carolina called Davie. And uh, Davie County is where um, it's unrelated, but well, Daniel Boone's, Parents lived. Daniel Boone grew up in the middle of the woods hunting bar in North Carolina in Davie County, and the Catons showed up shortly thereafter, if not slightly before they did, you know, when it was wilderness. There aren't many records for people living in the wilderness, by the way. Which
1: makes sense. I wouldn't think so.
0: Because there's no courthouse and no church. They're just just people living in the woods. It's just at like, best, they write something down in a Bible, and that makes it legal, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there aren't a whole lot of Bible records on, on Ancestry.com. What you have are censuses. So I put my nose to the grindstone to find the husband of Amelia Caton. So what I did is I spent three days, oh. about nine hours a day, finding every Record for anyone named Katon covering a 60-year span in Davy County. Wow. Detective. And I laid them all out. And then I researched every one of the men who were in the right age range and matched them up with a wife to try to find somebody loose that was not married. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <clears throat> man, Detective uh-huh. Kevin is on the case. Yes. Uh-huh. She's talking about me in the middle of my story. That hurts my feelings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I haven't even started my lesson, and I've you know, and I don't know what happens when
1: you let your wife into your class. Well, you oh, know she's probably oh, saying, get to the point or
2: something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting to my I don't point. I about my <laughs> family. <laughs> she,
0: she doesn't care about her family. I care more about her family. your
2: that I've never met.
0: So, I trace it down to this one old man. The guy thing. I, I find and this stuff
3: fascinating also.
0: And I'm trying to make this one guy. He's the one guy because I have matched every other male in the county to somebody else. I've got one candidate. You know, if you if you've got a choice of one, what's your answer? You know, I mean, yeah, it's that guy. So and so, I but he's twice her age. And, but that's not that unusual in the in on the prairie, you know, and, or actually in this case in the woods. And so. Uh, And so I'm trying to figure out how this works. Now, he's got two households. He's got this household here, and there's this one over here. And I I have to come up with this big, long scenario about why this man has two houses in the same census. And I came up with one because, you know, I've done this before, and I I know stories from other families where that's kind of happened. And I come up with a reasonable explanation, and I, I wrote up this whole thing, and it was a stretch. Too far of a stretch. Probably. Let's hear it. In in logic, Andrew, have you ever heard of a concept called Occam's razor? Yes, I did. Please explain to us what Occam's razor means. Alright. Just uh put it in a nutshell for y'all folks. Okay. Occam's razor
1: is basically do not to do add more causation body. beyond necessity and all that stuff. You to give write. you a thought experiment, imagine you have a child that okay, imagine oh, go ahead. anyway, sorry. Imagine let's say you came back home and the house is a mess, it's all over the place, there's toys everywhere you have two explanations that equally explain the data one maybe your child you know left the toys all over the place and (laughs) and didn't pick up his toys or maybe a group of burglars were searching for some treasure or something like that then they left or something they both equally explain the data but which one is the most likely answer it's obviously the simplest explanation
0: so if i can distill that for the rest of the internet the simplest answer is most likely to be true. Exactly. Okay. I hope I did a good job in explaining it. You did, it was wonderful actually. I think we covered the whole intellectual range now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, the simplest answer is most likely to be true. If you have a really complicated answer and there's a simpler one, probably you're wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Right?
0: So I had this complicated story and I'd even go so far as to type up that story and I send it to another researcher because, you know, here's the answer because this fits. I made all the pieces fit. Look how wonderful I am. That's basically what I told her. And then I'm looking at it. uh, Actually, it was last night. And and I realized that there was this one guy on an old census that doesn't have a name on it because they they have the, the head of household and then they have all the kids in an age range and I was either averaging the ages or I was figuring them low. He had a, Charles, the guy that, the old man that I thought was the husband actually had a son that if I take it at the highest age range in the census would have been exactly the same age as the woman I'm trying to pair it with. So he didn't work really well as being the old man marrying her, but if it was the son, it explained everything. And all the households worked, it all made sense. I actually, I didn't have the name, and I missed the one age, and so she didn't marry Charles. She married Charles' son. Charles is the father-in-law. She's living next door to her father-in-law, and then she's living next door to her father-in-law's household later, in the next one. It all makes sense now because it's simpler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And the, what, what I do is I take all the records, and then you have to tell the story and walk your way through the story, and when the story gets too complicated to pull in all the records, you have to back up and look at it again. Okay. So, I tell you all of that because we're about to look at this passage at verse 36, and it appears in all the Gospels, all four Gospels, and none of them are alike. It's like researching genealogy when the records don't match and all the ages don't match, and you have to have some kind of explanation as to how it all fits, and The deeper you dig into this the more interesting the story is and the more convoluted the story is which means the more likely it's not true Mm -hmm. so but wait it's in scripture and it's inspired by the holy spirit and so we are working on the assumption that all of our records here are correct but how do you make the records fit together oh you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so i what i want to do is read all four passages in all four gospels. And then I want us to collectively tell this story so that it works. And I'm not sure I have all the answers. So literally we're on a little detective trip here. So let's start with, I guess, Luke. I'll read it and then we'll go back and we'll read the other three passages. And I want you to pay very careful attention to the details that are different because they're pretty wildly different details. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, She brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he wouldn't know who's touching him. What kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So the Pharisee is being a Pharisee mm-hmm. there. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. So the Pharisee just addressed Jesus as teacher. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But you, uh, who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your face has saved you. Go in peace. The woman who wiped Jesus' feet with her tears. He's in the house of a Pharisee. The Pharisees were plotting to kill Jesus. They are the enemy, are they not? Why did a Pharisee invite Jesus to come eat dinner with him?
1: Who knows? Try to find some
0: dirt on him. I guess maybe. Yeah. Would Jesus go there. if he knew that? True. Yeah, he probably would. Would we'll
3: Would the disciples go? Well, do you think he? Don't, do you think that uh, Judas knew that he was trying to set him up?
0: Maybe. Uh, Luke is saying that he was trying to set him up. Uh, Well, or at least he was judging him like a Pharisee would judge him. All right. Here's the second thing that I'm a little... Jesus is in a Pharisee's house. I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Secondly, we're in a Pharisee's house eating dinner. Hmm. Now, he is a snooty, religious, you know, big shot. And a wanton woman, a sinful woman, May, probably a prostitute. We really don't know the details of that. Someone that is seen as lowly and sinful comes in and washes Jesus' feet. How
3: did she get in the door? Yeah, you don't know. It could, that could Ooh,
0: be outside. She, <laughs> who knows maybe, maybe? No, this is in the house, <laughs> I think. Well, the house, it could be the, home, the outside house. Went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table based inside the in, in yeah. end of their last you know, I'm going Maybe at. it's
1: an open door invitation. I don't know. I don't no. think so. Probably not an affair.
2: How could you recline right. sitting at the table?
0: That's what they do. The table is low, and they're sitting in really low seats, and you and you lay out. That's how that's how they ate in the Middle East, and still do. Okay. Um, and it was common when you came to a person's house to have for for a servant to wash your feet because you're walking in sandals, and you don't want to into the house. You know, that's the basic idea. And so uh, you kind of washed up at the door, and then you sat down, and and then you put your shoes on when you leave again. Often you leave your shoe, your your sandals, out by the door anyway, kind of like the the Asians do. Uh, And so he comes in, and nobody washed his feet, and this woman comes over, and as a servant, perhaps? And washing his feet as a servant would be perfectly understandable, but she puts oil on it and that's what's different. If she just washed his feet like a servant and she was a sinful woman, do you think that uh, Simon would care? Probably not. Maybe Simon employs her. Mm -hmm. She belongs in that household or she wouldn't be in that household. Maybe, here's an idea, maybe she's a relative, a disgraced relative, huh? Did, did I did I did I talk over you, Lester? I'm so sorry. What did you say? Oh he forgot already. I wasn't gonna say Tom. I think
3: I think when we read the other ones and go back to the answer to this question.
0: I think so too. But this this brings up, you know, why was she there? And why was Jesus there? Those are the two questions that kind of stand out. It's kind of it's kind of a weird situation. Now we have to back up a little bit. We have four different witnesses to this, and they're all telling the same story, I think. Now, there are commentators that want to say this happened multiple times because of the differences and all the different details. No. But I don't think so, because the conversation that the disciples have afterwards is the same, mm-hmm. and Luke lifts the conversation. Out I mean, one of the like— others.
1: If- it's kind of like uh, you're interviewing eyewitnesses. Like they might give more details than others, yeah. but they're overall telling the same
0: story. And I suspect that two of these gospels were eyewitnesses. I think Matthew and John, mm-hmm. uh, being apostles and being part of his part of the twelve, uh, could very well have been there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. a, there are a lot of people there. I suspect there are other Pharisees there. This is a big dinner. They just they just didn't go into the details. And and Christ. Organization was invited in for dinner, and, and the Pharisees have their too. So we're intermingling and pretending to be friends while the Pharisees plan Jesus' death. So, just a quick review in the Gospels we have Mark, who was Peter's disciple, and Mark starts writing down messages we can assume and he covers the last part of Jesus' life and a few of his teachings so that when he preaches, he's got this text that he can be consistent with. Uh, That's my assumption there. He's preaching to Jews, Mark is. Then we have Matthew, who was an actual apostle and was there, and he reads Mark's gospel, and he says, well, that isn't exactly how that went down. You weren't there, Mark. I was. And... Matthew is preaching to Jews hard. He wants them to see Jesus as the Messiah, as the the fulfillment of Jewish prophecy, because that's how you're gonna convince Jews to be Christians. And that's the angle that he's taken in his teaching. And he's using Mark's gospel as a source, as I'm sure they all were, but it's becoming inadequate for it because he knows these stories and he's elaborating on them in his message. So he writes his book, reaching out to Jews, emphasizing the fact that Christ is king. He is the Messiah. It is what Jews need to know about Jesus. And then Luke comes along, who is Paul's apostle. And Luke may very well have been a Greek, or at least he's working with Greeks, and he's got a Greek background, although he has a thorough understanding of everything Hebrew. Maybe both. Uh, and he's a doctor and, and he's focused on details, which I think is really nice. I like details. But he tells a story about Christ's divinity. Mm-hmm. It's about his godhood because he's preaching to Gentiles and they don't care about the whole prophecy yeah. Yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. They, they want to know that he ain't Zeus. You know, uh, this is who the real God is. And so that's the story that Luke is throwing together. And then we have John, which is a totally different kind of book that was written late in John's life after he's been preaching for a whole lifetime. And John puts all of his, what my father-in-law would have called sugar stick messages into his gospel. He's not trying to lay out the story of Christ. He's laying out Christ's message. And parts of it read like poetry because he has told it and yeah. told it and retold actually, it and work out the details. And he knows just how to say what he needs to say to make you cry.
1: Yeah, I actually like to describe it as the theological gospel yes. or the poetic gospel as I like to describe them.
0: All of these have this story. They cover different stories. you know, But they hit on the same points every now and then. But this one was important. This was important to all of that. And we've studied this before. Do you remember why it's important? Why is it important? Because uh, if
1: you read about, like, after he said to the woman, like, your sins are forgiven. He said, who is this man forgiving sins? Because if you're familiar with the Old Testament and, of course, the Hebrew culture, only God gets to forgive sins. And that implies that, oh hey, I'm God.
0: Which is Luke's point.
1: Exactly. What was Matthew's point? That he was the Messiah? He was king. Yeah, king. Mm-hmm. I forgot to note that too. Like.
0: How do Jews acknowledge a king? Hmm. When uh, <clears throat> David became set apart by God to be king, what happened? He was... A prophet came to him, found yeah, him Yeah, anointing the field. with
1: oil, basically. He's mm-hmm.
0: anointed. Mm-hmm. Anointing is symbolically consecrating something before God. Mm-hmm. And usually with oil. Mm-hmm. And so they had a tradition when a king takes his kingship He stops being a regular guy and he becomes God's man ruling this country Mm. and he is anointed with oil that was the tradition Mm -hmm. but that's not the only person that gets anointed in Jewish culture who else what else what do you pour oil on Close. close, close. Yeah, I put it masculine. Uh, a sacrifice yeah. is always anointed. You, you pour oil on it, and there's a little ceremony, and then you throw whatever the sacrifice they brought onto the altar, and then it's the, the oil lifts up the the, the, the smoke to God, yeah. and so on. Oh. Sacrifices are anointed, mm-hmm. and then there's ah, a there, then there's a third thing that's anointed in Jewish that is dead bodies Mm -hmm. so when when someone passes away and they're about to be entombed they are anointed and they put perfume on it because your body is decomposing and they didn't they didn't embalm the Jews didn't Uh so you had to be buried within 24 hours and there was a whole ceremony on how you prepare a body and it was a symbolic acknowledgment that this life was lived before God as it's placed into the into you use, into Do
3: you use a certain kind of perfume?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. So I see. I don't think, it, I don't know how strict that rule is, but they use certain kinds of oils and certain kinds, of, they, they all had meaning.
2: But they couldn't touch a dead body. Not, not, not and wrong. remain
0: clean for going to the temple next week.
3: Uh, yeah.
2: So go. sometimes they would intentionally touch it in order to, to bury it? You, to, ha, you, to had, you it? had
0: people for that? Usually the women's. So you send sure. women in. You know, it, the good yeah. rabbi would certainly not touch or prepare a body because he would oh, not this, be appropriate for the, that. But, but you send in the women folk to go clean, clean up the body and anoint it. And this was it the in.
3: women's job.
2: Did the women? Yes, yes. <laughs> so the, it was. the women um, were declared unclean? Oh, they didn't go to the temple anyway. Right. Oh. Ah, yeah. or at
0: least not not to the depth that the others did. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. Well, that, are that are that you a, and when yeah. and when you did, and when you have something that can't be done even by women and be clean, you 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 hire a, a good Greek, the the good Goya, to come and in yeah. and light all the lamps <laughs> on no. the Sabbath, and that way everybody's happy and you don't have. He can just be the simple one.
2: I think you're just making this up. I'm not making this He's up. Not. He's not. That's how that's
0: done now in, in, in Jerusalem. I in, know in that story. Okay. Okay. But
2: I meant the part about never. Mind. All right.
0: My point is, let's let's go to Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter twenty six. And are you sure it's twenty six? Relatively. <laughs> uh.
1: Because you did confuse me last week.
0: I, I have been known to be confusing. Yep.
1: Okay. Hey, Judy, is he always confusing? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just I messing with no. yeah,
0: you. She yeah. doesn't ever listen to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm just I messing see. with you all.
2: I never listen. Well, that's true.
0: <laughs> okay. No, part, okay. part of chapter Here's 26. Matthew 26, verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of a man known as Simon the leper. A woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Oh wait, the jar's still white. That's cool. Which she poured on his head as he, is, he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant and said, why the waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Does that sound familiar? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Aware, aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering with this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. You pour, uh, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume in my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So Christ is anointed as king. Christ is anointed as God, God. as and a okay. sacrifice, yep. and God and He's anointed as a dead body yep. because, according to Matthew, this happens just before He's arrested. This is a symbol for the sacrifice that He's about to be. So that's why this is so important. <laughs> it's a, it's part of this story from from the Jewish perspective, absolutely, but certainly from all of the others. But we had Simon the Pharisee in Luke, and here it's Simon the leper. NLT says a man who previously
3: had leprosy. Ah, he so asked. Simon
0: is Simon. So, so he's a Pharisee who had leprosy. Now, now think about this a minute. If he's a, if he's a working Pharisee in the, in the temple, and a lawyer, and, and handling all of the Jewish whatever, and he gets leprosy, he is ostracized. Remember what happens to lepers? Yep. Uh-huh. He loses his job, yeah. and he can't be, go in the temple, yeah. he can't go into town. You basically are an outcast. You're an outcast, you, you live that. outside the city yeah. in a leper village, and your fam- you yeah. can't work, Yeah, and your family has to support you, you become a poor pauper, yes. Yeah. So
3: mm-hmm. was this the leper that Jesus healed? Yeah, Interesting. Well, that's Pro- I was probably, maybe. Because you know, he followed Jesus after that. Yeah, after. yeah. This is the one I was thinking of. That so we have a
0: Pharisee who's been healed of leprosy uh-huh. and comes back to to his old job, but yeah. now we have a Pharisee who's loyal to Jesus because Jesus healed him and gave him his life back, but he's still a
1: Pharisee. Makes sense,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's he's trying to make sense of Jesus, and he doesn't understand why he's letting her floor roll on his feet. Well, I'm to
3: I'm worry about the money. Cause we can, like, Matthew's saying. True. I worried about the money. What well, can we do all that we sold out and help a bunch
0: of people? Right, and Matthew does not mention the uh, the woman's character. It, it's unimportant to Matthew, which is strange. Why would that be unimportant to Matthew?
3: Yeah, true. But I think Luke is saying, and God is, Luke is saying that this woman gave everything she owned. It's all she owned right here. Yeah. She gave her best to God. And that's, you know, and when you need, what, what are you doing? Are you know, giving my best? Or, uh-huh. you know, she gave everything she had.
0: So she's not a wealthy woman?
3: No.
0: So, so she she's a, everything she she's had. a poor woman. Yeah,
3: that's why that's why Jesus wants all to do, give it all. Yes.
0: So so Mary is a poor woman with a sinful past mm-hmm. who is rightfully inside a healed Pharisee's household. Right. Interesting huh? <laughs> It's turning into a soap opera. <laughs> Oh, wait, it gets better. Yes.
2: Well, I just looked it up and uh, Google agrees uh, that, the, the, that the, leper, the Pharisee and the leper were probably the same guy. Yeah. <coughs> so I God. think that's why
0: Jesus was there, because he's a follower. He's been healed. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he got invited into his house. Maybe there's not a whole lot of other Pharisees in that room because they're not that, you know, he is with the enemy, but he is, he, he's being cordial to the man that healed him. He recognizes that this is a man who has power. That's why he calls him teacher because he was healed oh, by this everything. guy. So this is a friendly household
3: yeah,
0: run by a Pharisee. Yep, for the most part, <clears throat> except for but the woman's.
3: this woman know that Jesus could?
0: Well, she cried and poured all of her wealth onto his feet. I think there's a reason for that. What? Wow. Wow. So I'm thinking, yes. Yeah, she knew. She knew who Jesus was. Mark 13. I was going to make Matthew do all the reading.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: How did that happen? Did I say Matthew? Yeah, Andrew. You, did that.
3: Mark, yeah, you said Mark, Mark 13. 13 3.
1: 13, 3. That's not it. Yeah, I was about right. to say, like, how does that have to do with the woman?
3: Did I write this down again wrong?
1: Man. I hate it two when two
0: I shows. do that. Okay, let's find it.
3: You're lucky you're yeah. here. Yeah, that's
0: the
3: wrong one.
2: What are you looking
0: for? I have this same story. In Mark. Here we go, it was 14. Okay. 14. Uh, now the Passover of the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people uh, may riot. While he was in Bethany, there's that town again.
3: Uh-huh. There it is, yeah.
0: Reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Mm-hmm. It's that white jar again. We have three gospels with the same white jar. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is not oh. a different story.
3: No.
0: Uh, Who would say that one wrong? A very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why waste this perfume? Because Judas saw money going down the drain and it it galled him. Uh It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. You, uh, she did what she could. She poured perfume in my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. So Christ is telling them that this is his burial anointing. They don't understand that. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now that's almost verbatim what we got in Matthew, and Mark was written first, and Matthew has read Mark, we assume. So it kind of got lifted. So Matthew agreed with everything that said there. They were. They, I think when they start lifting from each other, we can pretty much bank on that being exactly what happened. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus, and, and the story goes on. So here we have, it's taking place just before Christ is arrested at Gethsemane, just before the Lord's Supper. He's in Bethany, and he's with Simon the leper, and that's consistent with one of the other Gospels, and it's an alabaster jar. It says nothing about her, although it's kind of a weird thing for someone to do. It's, it's unusual that you would use oil and watching somebody speak for a dinner. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's go to John. John is is, is chapter 12, 1 through 11. Six days before the Passover, oh wait, there's the time again, so it's just before he's arrested. Jesus arrived at Bethany, so the place is right, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, now that's the first time he's been mentioned. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' name, and Martha right. served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. Who had been raised from the dead? When Mark, when Mary took a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume, she poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Jesus Iscariot, who was later betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was with a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial you will always have the poor among you and you will not always have me. Uh, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found one that Jesus was there and then they came out and because of him, but also to see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well for an account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. He's in the home of Simon the leper Pharisee and Lazarus is sitting at the table and Martha is serving the dinner? Yeah. You have a problem with that? No. Yeah.
1: No, like. It's, it's it's. A lot of people are there.
3: Where, the the face,
0: where did Mary and Martha live? Bethany, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Is that the same town? Maybe they're not in their house. Maybe they're all invited, and they're all. Well, why would Martha be serving if she's a guest?
2: Because she's a woman.
0: Well, there's that. And of course, uh, she (laughs) was a prostitute (laughs) (laughs) too. I mean, that was Mary. Well, Mary, sorry. And and, and sinful woman. We don't know she was a prostitute. right. Sinful woman. and poor. I don't know. Remember,
3: Martha was a busybody one that was always.
1: Going
0: about. Well, Mary was so lazy, of course she was. <laughs> anyway, I think it's you know, like because as
1: you pointed out earlier I think I'm the
0: only man in the history of the gospel tra- that's on Martha's side. Well, huh? well, she was just
3: tra- no, no, I'm just saying she basically yeah, she did see Mary as lazy. Yeah. Because she wasn't being a good Jewish woman. Yeah, and then, and then, no. and then, and then, serving, then Jesus fussed at her man.
0: because she, she wa- didn't have her priorities straight. But who's going to serve the biscuits? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, uh, Mary and Martha, in all the other stories of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, are a place where Jesus regularly stayed when he came to Jerusalem. They know him well. He raised Lazarus from the, the dead. dead. Uh, Mary and Martha were both disciples and followers, and probably financial supporters of him for a long time. They obviously had a fairly large house because they could accommodate Jesus yeah. and all of his hangers-on, yeah. you know, all at the same time, so they could handle thirteen people to come crash. Now, immediately they were sleeping on pads on the floor, and the, the, the Middle Eastern way the is 13, not the Western, 13. so that, that that that's doable, but. Uh, what if... Okay, here, here's, here's a scenario number one. Lazarus and Simon are related. We don't know this. This is Gospel of Kevin. The Gospel of the if, Kevin people. What if uh, Lazarus, the leper Pharisee, is actually the head of this household? and uh, uh, not, Simon, Simon, the Pharisee leper, uh, is the head of the household. And Lazarus is his son, nephew, cousin who's living there also. And then he's got his two sisters. So Simon is raising his brother's kids who are now adults. Simon is an older man being a respected Pharisee you'd have to be, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and so maybe this is one big household. But that means that. I was calling back. Yes. And so, yeah, it's not unusual. And so we have an older man who's raising his kids and he he gets leprosy and Jesus heals him. And so he becomes a follower. Uh, Mary and Martha who are living in his household also become followers. We really don't know that Lazarus becomes a follower but he dies. And we hear about him when Mary and Martha come saying our brother just died and he raises him from the dead. And so now, Uh, people are coming to their house to see Lazarus alive because he's kind of become a sideshow for the cause. And they've become kind of famous because of that. So he's healed Grandpa Simon and now he's raised Lazarus from the dead. And we've got these two women that are living there. One of them is Mary who is obviously the type A personality that makes these parties happen. She's the one serving everybody coming into this large household. She is in charge of this house. And then we got Mary, who sits around at the feet of the Lord listening. Yeah.
3: The prodigal daughter. Who
0: has a sinful past. Uh Like, how dare she? Who has shamed the family and kind of gets picked on by the rest of them when they mention her. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm.
3: So she's the product of Darwin.
0: More or less, yeah. More or less. But Christ forgives her sins that's as well. That's right. And so I think the sinful woman is Mary of Bethany, who is related to Simon the leper Pharisee, who is the brother to Lazarus of, Beth- of Bethany. Does that make sense?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. that's a complicated answer, though. You don't know that. It is a complicated
0: answer.
1: But hey, he's trying to come up with that inference that is, of the best explanation. That's,
3: that's, what it's, that's what it seems like, anyway. Here's scenario the number Lord, two. According
0: to Kevin. Here's simpler. Here's simpler. <laughs> Simon, the old man leper, has invited people to his house and is having a dinner, and he has employed his neighbor. Martha to serve it. No,
2: that is not a good answer. That's not a good answer? And the reason is if he had employed her, then it would have been her job and she wouldn't be mad at the other lady for not helping.
0: Well, that doesn't happen here. But then the other lady comes in and she washes people with hair, which. Uh, <laughs> Why are you downing her?
1: Huh? Why are you downing her? I'm not. I mean, you probably think it's a little weird to wash people's feet with their hair. I guess I don't know. Maybe yeah. that could be.
0: It's a little overly sensuous for for an anointing.
2: I do not oh. think so.
0: Okay. I don't know. Well, I, just, I think just think it's kind of weird to wash point. people's I, I don't feet. Know. Okay. I explain. Explain then. Explain.
2: Well, it's just so humble. It is so humble. Okay. She doesn't have a, a towel. She uses her hair. She uses whatever she has, and she she sees the point when her sister does not. And Jesus is about to die, and I think she senses, or maybe even knows that, that perhaps something that she's heard gossip down the way, yeah. and she yeah. is preparing Jesus for his burial, which is far more important to, than the biscuits being ready. Yeah, And I think that sometimes the simplest of people are... Some people in the lower, I don't know how you would say it. Oh, just go there. Well, I don't don't know how to phrase that. But I do know how to phrase it. The lower classes. No, let's just put it this way. Let's call them the simple folks. Sometimes a little child has more wisdom than an adult. Okay. And I think this little child who had all this sin in her life was worshiping her Savior. Yep. and it's a it is I, I it is such a beautiful. I wrote a song about this one time. Really? Yeah, I did. It is an absolute beautiful story of someone washing Jesus's feet with their hair. She didn't care that she was getting oil all in her hair. Mm-hmm. She didn't care what people were thinking about her. Anyway, <coughs> it's it's a powerful picture. It's kind yeah, of like,
3: they were saying, uh, Jesus was saying, uh, he was her about people being crucified. Maybe she believed it. I mean, some disciples did not believe it. Yes. You know? So she believed what Jesus was saying. Yeah.
0: You know, if I were writing this story for uh, the, the eventual movie, uh, Mary is the younger daughter. She's the, the wild teenager. And uh, they caught her with some boy down the road. <laughs> and that has disgraced the family since grandpa is a Pharisee it's like
1: how dare you hate out with a boy
0: and they are shunning her as a family because they are good little Jewish people yeah. and she is the uh, black sheep daughter that we keep in the she's back the room she's the rebellious one and she is the one that it does all, you know, we, we want, we basically she does all the dirty work around here because yes. she's the, on the bottom of the totem pole does that make sense? Yeah. And Christ forgives her. And Martha is the much older daughter who's running the household for Grandpa.
1: Supposedly the responsible daughter. I guess. Yes.
0: And so I think that works. I don't know that Mary is a prostitute. He doesn't yeah. say prostitute. Right. I, I think that's what that means. And I think she is keenly aware of the forgiveness that christ has given her and that's what's made her so uh intensely uh, responsive to it you know
2: and i also just imagine don't know but i imagine that her hair was very long yeah. not very just shoulder length yeah. but perhaps almost close to her feet i mean yeah. long i don't know that, yeah, but just, that no. oh just I get mean, that you picture, picture she yeah mm-hmm. no. oh. And Did Simon,
0: and Jesus is, I think Jesus is is a common guest in this house. Because he says, you didn't kiss my, wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head. Well, if they were having a formal dinner, they would have. Because that's kind of part of the formal dinner. But... It's kind of like when you walk into someone's house where you're not often there, they invite you in, sit you down on the really nice sofa and give you a cup of coffee. But if you come in every day, they go, hey, and walk out of the room, you know what I mean? Because you're there all the time. I don't have to go out of my way to, you know. Yeah, exactly. And so I think he's kind of reached that uh, jaded level of presence in Simon's house. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So. So that's how I think this works. These are, this is not four different instances. I know that. And uh, Simon and Lazarus are kin. I'm thinking Simon's grandpa. And- How do you, th- I'm
2: sorry, how do you know that? Are you because he's that? the head of the
0: household. It's usually the elder male. Okay. And he so doesn't say the home of Lazarus. Okay. Lazarus is a younger man in his house. And so, it, it, and, and there you go. I think, that, I, I think that works. Okay, um, I think we're there. And by the way, we went in a different direction than a whole lot of other commentators. Yeah. Okay, having said that, we are out of time and uh, the music service is about to start and I am signing off, uh, goodbye internet.